0: Well, happy Thanksgiving and welcome to The Bill Bennett Show, the only podcast dedicated to translating Trump and explaining exactly what's going on in Washington, D.C. Republicans are on the verge of passing a -a once-in-a-lifetime tax reform bill. I had the privilege of interviewing the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, to talk about getting this historic tax reform package across the finish line. Let's get right to our conversation, and I'll share some thoughts afterwards. You are listening to The Bill Bennett Show. We are joined by Ronna McDaniel, Chairwoman of the Republican National Committee. Chairwoman McDaniel, welcome back to Bill Bennett Show.
1: Thanks for having me. Always great to be here.
0: Thank you, dear. Um, tax reform, tax reform, tax reform. Is it on your mind?
1: It's on my mind. I think it's on everyone's mind. Uh, the middle class in this country hasn't had a pay raise in 10 years. We want to get them a tax cut. We want to simplify our our tax code, and then we want to cut our corporate rates so that we can bring more jobs into this country and be competitive with the rest of the world.
0: It looks like it's a close call in terms of the votes. Is that how you see it? I may just be reading or watching too much TV, but they're saying very close. The margin the Republicans have is very tight, et cetera, et cetera. How tight is it?
1: Well, we have a slim margin in the Senate to begin with. We have 52 Uh, Republican senators and Democrats have decided not to play ball on anything uh, that this president has put forward. They're playing the long game, uh, obstruct, resist, even if it benefits the American people. Uh, But I do think we're going to get there. Uh, The senators that I've seen have reservations. They're always open to how do we get to yes. I think there's a recognition that we need to provide relief for the middle class of this country. Um, And I think in the end, they're going to get to where they need to be so that we can pass this.
0: Yeah, I've noticed, uh, Rana, if I may, that, uh, you know, people talk about differences between the House and the Senate plan, but there really are tons of similarities. I mean, the overall direction of both of both is the same, it seems to me. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would. I mean, the Senate has, you know, seven tax brackets in their plan and the, the House has four. There's some differences in the child tax credit. But overall, you're right. The the differences are minimal. uh, They're on the same path. They just have to work out um, some of those disparities between the two plans and get to yes. And the American people are depending on that. Our economy uh, will thrive if we can get this done. We've had a name at growth. And it's time to, to give our economy a kickstart.
0: You bet. Well, boy, the growth, though, in the last couple of quarters. And did I read correctly? People are projecting three higher than 3, 3.8 three three even for the fourth quarter. Have you seen that?
1: I, I have. I mean, it's just crazy to think about President Trump when he was running, when he said we could get to 3% GDP. And I don't know if you saw, but Fox did a, a, a compilation of all the media laughing at that, how ridiculous that note right. was. And now – We've, we not only have we hit three, but we're we're going higher. And it's a combination. It's deregulation, which the president and Congress focused on right out of the gate in the first three months of, of his administration. It's better energy policy, the Keystone, the Dakota pipelines, getting jobs yeah. um, uh, in our country, and it's better trade deals. And then now with simplifying our tax form, tax uh, code, giving tax cuts to the middle class, making our global, our corporate tax rates competitive. We are going to see growth in our economy that we should have seen under Obama, but it shows the difference that good policy can make in terms of bringing jobs. And growing an economy.
0: Yeah, you know, and I think it adds to the argument <clears throat> that is the fact that we he has demonstrated. You know, you, you prove the you prove the uh, the possible by the actual. Is it possible to get three percent? You bet it is. It's actual the last two quarters. So I think that will add some energy and some and some push to this uh, to this whole effort. You mentioned I want to go back to something you said, Rana, about the Democrats. Early on, there was talk that we might pick up a couple of Democrats: Joe Manchin, Heidi Heidkamp, others. Is there no hope of that now are they locking arms here and buckling down
1: i'm not seeing uh where they're coming across the aisle or or touting it i hope that they will i think it's always better to have these um tax cuts be bipartisan that's better for the american people they want to see democrats and republicans work together but from the very beginning of the trump administration and i think the neil gorsuch confirmation really showed that democrats have decided in unison to not work with this president on anything and they're playing the long game if we can obstruct and resist and hope that they fumble the ball or can't get things done that will benefit going into the 2018 election that's their play Um, it's unfortunate that they're not saying how do we get out and help the American people and put good policy forward and help the middle class who hasn't seen a pay raise in 10 years.
0: No, that's a good point. And and, and this resistance, because you, you've heard the theme resist resistance from the Democrats, is a little harder lift for them in light of the facts that we just talked about, uh, the growth in the economy and so on. All right. Well, we shall, uh, we shall see what happens there. Um, this is not only important, uh, obviously, for the American people and the, and the economy. It's important for uh, the president and for the party. Let's talk about the party a second. We, we need a big legislative achievement. I mean, this would be a very big deal if we got it. I, I was saying the other night on Fox, this would be something the president would really celebrate, as would as would all of us. It's important politically, isn't
1: it? It is important. And, and there's two things at play. One is obviously uh, helping the American people and helping our economy, which is the key uh, focus. But the second is we need to show that we can govern when we're given the majority. And We do have a very slim margin in the Senate. Nevertheless, we have a majority. And uh, we campaigned on these things. The American people expect us to deliver. And uh, it's important that we show um, that we can work together as a party and uh, come out um, on behalf of the American people.
0: How's the party doing? Uh, We hear all the stuff uh, on the mainstream media about uh, how beleaguered President Trump is and the Republicans have all these terrible divisions. Are we able to raise any money at all, Rana? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, the RNC, uh, we just posted our October numbers. We raised over 9000000 million. We've hit the $113 million mark, which is a record for the RNC. A lot of that is coming in small-dollar donations because of the enthusiasm for President Trump. Uh, and, and on the Democrat side, just to note, um, they raised, um, they've raised they raised half of what we've raised. And with their cash on hand, including their debt, they have about $2 million And we have about $45 So we're already investing in our battleground states. Those resources are going to help us win in the midterms, and we are far exceeding the Democrats in our raise and our ability to prepare our get-out-the-vote in 2018.
0: We were searching, all of us, for a a Democrat number for October. We couldn't find one. Is there one to compare to your 9.2? What is it?
1: It's 3.9. Wow. um, And and they have... um, Five million cash on hand, but they have, I, I think, two point seven million in debt. So it's it's pretty um, it's pretty bad for them right now, and the resist isn't working so well for them. A vision works better.
0: So. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, good idea. Let me put on my MSNBC hat here if I can find one. Oops, no, I don't have one, but I'll try. <laughs> all right, well, you've got this very unpopular president. His approval ratings are down, 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 but all these small contributions are coming from somebody. Square that circle for me. How how can this man be so unpopular and you all be taking in record halls of, of money?
1: Well, number one, uh, I think it's important to look at where the, how the president is performing in these battleground states, which the RNC is looking at on a regular basis. And in a lot of the states that he won on, uh, um, in November, he's actually doing better in those battleground states. So overall polls take into account states like California and New York. Well, the president's probably not going to have the best approval rating in those states. So you've got to dial into the districts and the states where we're going to be competing in 2018. And then secondly, our base is is behind President Trump. There is a reason why they elected him. They view him as a change agent, as somebody who's pragmatic, who gets things done. And they still believe that he can do that. And, and overwhelmingly, we see that they want Congress to support him and, and get that done. And, you know, our consumer confidence is high. We've added 2 million new jobs. We're seeing the Dow um, at record numbers. Things are good right now. Uh, and you, you talked about the forecast for the... Uh, gdp yeah. things right. are on the right track people right. are feeling better
0: good good um last question and this is a hard one twitter are you pro twitter for the president or <laughs> anti twitter for the president yeah i knew you yeah yeah i'll yeah, tell you I am, a, I am i'm a, i'm a pro twitter i like direct I'm communication a good okay
1: let president trump be president trump this is who he is the, there's nothing about president trump that is different than the president than the candidate trump that was elected and people wanted someone who talked to them directly, who was honest. You you don't really ever, you know, wonder where he stands on an issue. You may disagree with where he stands, but at least he's telling you what he thinks, which is different than most politicians across the country. Uh, I think, by and large, people find it refreshing. Um, and And you couple that with the policy coming out of this White House. Uh, And he's doing great things for the American
0: people. Yeah, there's so much uh, phoniness and so much revulsion at it. I think Conor Cruz O'Brien wrote a biography of Edmund Burke, the great British statesman. He said uh, he had the gift of always being himself. And that, that's our president. I mean, right? He's always himself. It's the same guy. And I think people really uh, celebrate that authenticity, whether they're happy with everything that comes out of it or not. I, I agree with you Yeah, 100%. I mean,
1: some people disagree. If I hear from people, oh, I don't like this tweet, or I don't like that. But that doesn't make them walk away from the president of the policies he's espousing. It's a dialogue. And you're not going to agree with everybody 100% of the time. But what you do know... Is This is a president that's honest and shares his opinion and does it directly and doesn't go through a middleman where it can be uh, misrepresented.
0: I am encouraged by the fact that thinking of the president, the first lady of Thanksgiving, he will be at the Thanksgiving table declaiming on various things, just like I will. You know, and just and just like folks all across the country say, dang, God, why can't we get this right? But uh, there is that sense of identification. Rana, thank you very much. Congratulations for the work uh, you and the committee have done. And uh, please have a very happy Thanksgiving.
1: Thank you, Bill. Happy Thanksgiving to you, too.
0: You are listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Just a couple of thoughts. In regard to the interview with Rana, there's something very interesting going on. I don't quite understand it, which is this uh, huge uh, fundraising advantage on the part of the Republican Party. Now, as you all know, I'm a friend of Steve Wins and have the highest regard for him. He's the finance chair of the RNC, and he's doing a great job, as is Rana. But, um, you know, we keep hearing about the low polls and low approval ratings of Donald Trump. uh, And yet um, here is the Republican National Committee raking in more than three times what the Democrats uh, are, are taking in. And there were many years when the Democrats uh, outraised, uh, outraised Republicans with uh, you know, relatively unpopular Republican presidents. Um, I'm sure we could find with our crack research team, that's not a research team on crack, but a crack research team, <laughs> uh, a circumstance where Bush's either Bush's approval rating was much higher than Trump's, and yet the, the take was much lower. So there's something interesting going on here. I think there's a lot of people who maybe disapprove of Trump for different reasons. Some may disapprove because they say he's not moving fast enough. He's not doing all the things he promised. But in any case, um, the reality is uh, people are writing checks, a lot of them small checks, but they still, they still matter. Now, uh, we're going to talk to Steve more in a second, but I just want to say that this whole tax bill thing, I think, is very, very important. Is all lost? If it's lost, no. But a lot is gained if it is gained, if it is achieved. And so that's why we're spending uh, spending so much time on it. It doesn't explain my question, or it doesn't give an answer to my question, how can approval rating be so low and uh, the take be so high, but uh, it just uh, <clears throat> uh, tells us about uh, what, what the future might bring. Trump gets this tax bill, he's going to soar. He, we're going to hear about it from him for sure. He'll tweet and and celebrate and, and take full credit and all sorts of things, and that's fine. Uh, but it'll also, I think, help the fortunes of the Republican Party. Chris, you have any comment?
2: Yeah, I think the other thing that was really interesting, and you noted it in the interview with Rana, is that there are several big uh, firms, Goldman, I think, and some others that are projecting possible 4% growth Next year, if this tax reform package gets through, yes, and you'll remember sir. how how widely mocked Trump was for suggesting we'd had, we'd get back to three percent growth, yeah. uh, so I think if you get this tax reform package through, you'll see uh, you'll certainly see Wall Street and the markets take off, and I think you'll see the U.S. economy take off, and I think that's a game changer for the president.
0: Yeah, and I still want to know uh, in the polling whether the question is you know do you approve of Trump? I mean maybe 80% people might not approve of Trump because they don't like the tweeting. They don't like the, the in your face. They don't like the t- t- talking about, you know, the, 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 the basketball player's father, whatever it is, but, uh, still, uh, put Trump up against some very liberal Democrat. And, um, you know, they're going to they're gonna vote for Trump. Let me just say a word because this just broke about uh, the president saying we can't have this liberal Democrat from Alabama. This was not a full-throat endorsement of Roy Moore. Um, however, he did point out what I was trying to point out on a, on a Fox show the other night, um, the following fact. If this guy had done anything wrong, had made a wrong left turn in the last 40 years, um, we would know about it because you know that the Washington Post, and everybody else has been all over Roy Moore's, uh, Roy Moore's record. Um, so 40 years, 40 years of living clean is, is, is something to be said for him. Uh, do I believe these women? I, yeah, I guess I do. Uh, I guess I do. Uh, so surely, and his denial was a kind of half-hearted denial to Sean Hannity. He said, well, in general, I didn't go out with the younger women in general. Uh, so, so there's that, and that has to be faced and acknowledged. I, as I uh, tried to say the other night, I would have preferred uh, a different strategy, which is to admit, having done some things, without uh, getting into details that were wrong, uh, re- regrettable, but I have put my life together, and um, I think the last 40 years speak for themselves. You know, we often quote, um, is it Oscar Wilde, Every Saint? yes okay yes, got it it right. the crack every,
2: research staff got it right the Crack research that every
0: saint has a future every sinner every sinner has a future every saint has a past so that sinner, if you will for the sake of the argument had a future and seems to have you know done a lot in it but uh, but the reason i'm bringing this up is this comes back to the point about passage of tax reform passage of other things you got a 5248 republican senate you don't want to go to a fifty-one forty-nine 49 Republican Senate. You see how much trouble there is getting things passed with Republicans with fifty-two forty-eight. 48 So um, that seat is crucial. Um, and uh, it's up to the people of Alabama. Uh, it's up to the people of Alabama. Chris, do you have any comment?
2: Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, that the president was pretty much silent on this for a while. And then you saw Kellyanne. A day or two ago come out and say almost verbatim what the president said we can't have a liberal democrat we can't risk tax reform so perhaps in these negotiations they've re- they've realized that their margin for this is razor thin and i think the political realities are setting in and it's just i mean talk about from a historical political lens it's just a whirlwind on capitol hill right now between roy moore al franken uh, Conyers everything else that's going on I don't think you know you can correct me but I haven't in my lifetime seen this collision of really tough moral political questions uh, surrounding very important events in the in that will you know augur for the future of this country it's just I mean from a historical perspective it's kind of a fascinating time not for good reasons but it's interesting
0: well in terms of the breadth of it the number of people, yeah, the whole country wrestled with the Clinton thing for a couple of years. I mean, it led to impeachment. But, I mean, that was – he was the president of the United States. Um, that was – I mean, it was – that's all the country could think about and talk about. That was the stuff of every carpool, I can I can testify to that, uh, in the country. And I don't think the more thing has penetrated that much. But in terms of the breadth of uh, the spread, the number of people right, involved right. here – it is and and it, and it is you know for another day. Distinctions need to be made. Distinctions need to be made between an unwanted padding and a and a hand on a shoulder and uh, the kind of stuff Weinstein was doing. Uh, but um, and distinctions need to be made you know among other things too. But uh, we'll say we'll save that for another another day. Uh, we have Thanksgiving uh, planned. Um, the family will be together. We'll have a few uh, guests uh, as well, folks who uh, Mrs. Bennett invited. Her rules will be up. There will be no, there will be talk of politics if people wish, but there will be no gesticulating, uh, punctuating points with waving of forks or knives. Uh, And um, there will, of course, be a unanimous declaration of the excellence of the meal by all the Bennett (laughs) Bennett boys. This is required. A memo's gone out already. And, uh, of course, that won't be hard because it will be. I hope I'm covering myself properly here. All right. Uh, And your Thanksgiving plans?
2: Yeah, we're uh, headed to my grandma's. A lot of my dad's side of the family is up outside Baltimore area. Over the river and
0: through the woods to grandmother's house we go?
2: Yep, that's right. So uh, we'll be loading up the car uh, with uh, my wife and the puppy and headed up to grandma's house. Wife and the puppy. What about the turkey? Uh, We're bringing dessert grandma's grandma's got the turkeys covered grandma's got
0: the turkeys Very nice. very nice Uh, okay well happy thanksgiving to everybody can we get lou in on this
2: yes sir i'm here
0: thanksgiving what's the plan
2: we are going to the parents house to uh celebrate with my sister my aunt cousins and grandmother it's going to be a wonderful day filled with football
0: oh well it didn't sound like a football crowd there the way you described
2: oh no we are definitely a football crowd my father uh is a Perfect. huge football fan
0: yes great great you know, so you'll be watching mississippi state at, at playing mississippi everything
2: mississippi. turkey's the, f- the food of the day but if there's pigskin involved yeah. we're definitely uh going to be watching that as well
0: lions lions bear or so lions, somebody lions vikings, lions vikings. oh my gosh yeah i knew chris would chime in with the vikings you yeah. know anyway all right happy thanksgiving everybody uh let's get back to business you're listening to the bill bennett show the bill bennett show Uh, Earlier in the program, you heard RNC Chairwoman Ronna McDaniel explain the political stakes of tax reform and why it has to be passed. Now let's get the nitty-gritty details, economic issues, and why it's good with Steve Moore. Steve is a Heritage Foundation economist, FreedomWorks senior economic contributor, and Club for Growth founder. Welcome back to the show, Steve. How are you? Hi. Hi, Bill. Good to be with you. Thank you. All right. We know that uh, we were scheduled a few minutes ago, but we were told you were on the phone with Mitch McConnell. What were you guys talking about? <laughs> well,
3: how do you get the 50 votes uh, in the Senate? Because that's the struggle here. You know, we, it was a big victory in the House, by the way, last week, you know, that uh, passed by a, a bigger margin than people expected um, so I think Republicans finally understand that there's no turning back here that this is this is something that the party has to get done both for for economic reasons to to create a better economy, but also for you know the survival of the party uh, and so um, you know there, I think the Senate is reasonably optimistic, but you know think about this bill I mean right now you've got a situation where not a single Democrat in the House voted for a tax cut for businesses and families. And we may be looking at the same thing in the Senate, which is just pitiful really when you think about it not a single democrat in the congress wants to vote for you know tax relief that's a big change from you know the way things were uh, when we used to work with jack kemp on this stuff so it's a it's a heavy lift but i think i'm feeling confident it's going to get done
0: we were just talking to Ronald mcdaniel a few minutes ago yes about uh, democrats what happened to joe manchin and heidi heitkamp and some of those folks we were expecting
3: yeah, that's a great question. I mean, look, it, it, if the Republicans get to 50 votes in the Senate, you might see a Heidi Heitkamp or a Joe Manchin or maybe oh, a Donnelly in Indiana vote for the bill, but they're not going to help Republicans get over the hump here. So that means, you know, it's just simple math here, Bill. You've got 52 Republicans in the Senate. Uh, you've got John McCain, who, you know, sometimes uh, isn't yep. a Republican these yep. days. And so it's a, it's a heavy lift. Now, I think the Republicans are fairly unified, but you've got to have about 98% <laughs> you Unity here to get yes, this thing sir. done and and so i you know i was talking to mitch mcconnell and you know he's trying to make sure everybody's on board here that we're all walking uh together that we're going to pass i mean if you get this thing passed i'm very bullish on the u.s economy i mean it's already growing right three to three and a half percent I, I think we get another half percent point of growth i mean then you're talking about three and a half to four percent growth which but right. by, by the way bill the, the economy grew at one and a half percent in obama's last year so that's a big big improvement
0: yeah, and they laughed at Trump when he said 3%. Uh, yeah, Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, they, I mean, they said, I, I mean, I know it because I used to debate the uh, Obama and the, uh, and the Hillary Clinton economists, and they'd say, Trump is lying. We can't grow at 3%. It's impossible. People like Larry Summers and Paul Krugman, sure. and, uh, you know, now we are at, th- you know, the economy right now is growing almost 3.5%. Uh, but, you know, my point I would make uh, to you, uh, Bill, and, and the people listening to this podcast is, look... If we don't get this done, I think some of the growth is going to stall out in the economy. And the big, big burst in the stock market we've seen is is in some ways an anticipation of this tax cut happening. So if, if we don't get it done, I think it'll really hurt the economy.
0: I agree. Okay, that was my last question. Will it get done? I I I think it will. I think we'll squeak by, and I even think Flake and and uh, Corker will be in. Uh, do you do you agree? We will
3: see. I hope you're right about that. But yeah, you know, I, I was right I have too. to say I was wrong on the health care bill. I always believed we would get this done, and uh, you know, we as you know, we fell that one fateful one vote short. Uh, but incidentally, you know, on that health care bill, I think something really important for people to understand here is this if. If this bill passes, as we hope it does, and we think in the form that we want it to, I mean, you're really killing two birds with one stone, because if you can get rid of the individual mandate tax, which, by the way, is a tax on working poor families and, and low-income uh, people, mostly, you're, you're actually dramatically reforming Obamacare, because what you're doing there, Bill, is you're giving people an exit ramp to get off of Obamacare to buy plans that are much more affordable for their families. So uh, I'm really bullish on this. If we can get the tax cut done with the end of the individual mandate tax.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you said there's, you know, there's just a lot of intelligence in this, in these proposals. Uh, it's got brains, you said, uh, and backbone. Um, well, what's, what's the main effect? What's the first thing we'll see as a result of this if uh, a well, well, the heart sold the
3: plan, passed. you know, and as you know, Larry Kudlow and I, uh, you're a your buddy of mine, um, uh, help put this plan together originally for Trump. And I'm gratified to say that I think, you know, the the plan that's likely to pass Congress is going to be about 80 percent of what you know, Donald Trump originally wanted and that, that we helped put together. And the heart of that plan is to make our businesses more competitive. Uh, you know, Obviously, there's a tax cut for middle-class families here, but really what we want to do is make the American economy grow faster, more prosperous, right. Right. better jobs for people. And you get those business tax rates down and you allow companies, uh, by the way, to repatriate money back to the United States. You know, and instead of off-sourcing of jobs uh, and outsourcing of jobs, you're going to see an in of jobs. You're going to see a lot of those companies moving back. And what I like to see most, you know, frontally in this is I want to see those areas in Pennsylvania and Michigan and Ohio, those Rust Belt areas that never yes. really felt any recovery. I'd love to see, you know, companies moving back to those areas and more jobs. Uh, those are the areas that that uh, have been left behind.
0: Yeah. When you mentioned those states, you're, of course, talking about the what I call the fourteenth and fifteenth round of election night, too, yep. right? Now, you know, <laughs> anyway, yeah, exactly. No, no coincidence there. So, <laughs> yeah. so it is the business tax reduction, the corporate tax reduction. That's the key to the the economy. Good, good I on the income so. tax. I but believe this is, so. More and the big.
3: one change I'd like to see in the bill at this point is some improvement in in the tax treatment for. Um, for the small businesses, uh, I think that's going to happen. Um, you know, look, we have 27 million small business owners in this country, men and women who run, you know, really great companies, and uh, and so that's one improvement that I'd like to see. But I'd say, you know, I'm not going to give this bill an A, but I'll give it a B plus. I think it's very okay. it's a very positive bill, uh, and uh, one of the most important things here you know, uh, Bill is a guy who believes in smaller government and more responsive government is getting rid of the state and local tax deduction. Now, I know people who live in California and New York and Connecticut may not like this too much, but, you know, we, what we have now is a situation where people in low-tax states like Texas and Florida and Tennessee are paying more taxes to subsidize yeah. a flabby and inefficient an government. And, yeah. and, you know, Chicago and then, you know, Albany and then, uh, you know, places like, uh, for yep. Connecticut, and that just ain't fair.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's funny. I'm getting some feedback. You may know I'm a Fox News contributor, and some people are writing me saying, What's with the Fox hosts? How come they're ambivalent about this? I said, There's <laughs> a lot of a lot of' live in New Jersey. That's right. <laughs> exactly. You know? you know. And
3: By the way, there yeah. was a good, uh, you know, there's a positive story in the Wall Street Journal uh, yesterday where the leader of the New Jersey Senate, who wanted to raise the Saw income that. tax rates in
0: uh, New Jersey, said, Well,
3: you know, if they get rid of the state and local tax deduction, we're not going to be able to raise our taxes in New Jersey. Well, that's a positive thing.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because what would happen if you raised the state and local, what did he say, 6,000 millionaires in New Jersey? They'd all leave. Is that yep. right? That's the point? Well, there
3: aren't that many left, but <laughs> the ones that are still there would leave. And, However and, you know, th- th- because said. look, think about a state like, um, let's talk about California, New York. I mean, California, New York, have high, their highest income tax rate is 13.5%. Now, the only way they can get away with that to the extent they still can is because, you know, 40% of that is being written off on their federal taxes by, you yeah. know, the millionaires who who are, yeah. uh, you know, paying that tax. So uh, if, you don't, if they can't write off 40% of that any longer, it's, it's going to force either one of two things to happen. Either California and New York are going to have to, you know, cut their tax rates, or, you know, every rich person in California and New York is moving to Florida and Texas.
0: Yeah, or Nevada. Nevada, yeah, or Nevada. yes. <laughs> fastest growing county Clark County still one of the fastest growing counties in America.
3: Now I probably shouldn't say that cuz people in Florida and Texas probably don't want people from New York over there. But but they're Right.
0: <laughs> right. I remember that license plate that uh that uh, I saw in uh, in in New York. A, a guy had a had a no, it was in Colorado. And it was a it was a um uh, a Colorado license plate and it said uh, if you promise never to visit Colorado again I promise I'll never visit Texas <laughs> so yeah yeah I know there's some enmity there but that really is um, that is very very interesting and I saw yeah, and by the, the way that-
3: there, there's a Sorry to interrupt, but there's a there's no, a kind no.
0: of hypocrisy on the left here that's being exposed because,
3: you know, uh, when I debate these economists and uh, liberals, they say tax rates don't matter. You know, Jack Kemp was wrong. It doesn't matter what the tax rate is. People don't make decisions based on whether they pay right. 20, 30, 50 percent tax rates. Right. Well, if that's the case, then why are people leaving New Jersey yeah, no, <laughs> and yeah. New York and California? Why would you oppose getting rid of the deductibility of state and local taxes? because And the answer is because they know that taxes do matter and that they do have an effect Absolutely. on the way people. People live Absolutely. And where they live and how much they work. And, and we want to look, I'm an old flat tax guy, uh, as I think you are. I want to get the rates down as low as possible, get rid of all the deductions and loopholes and credits in the system. Now, this bill does not do that. It's not a flat tax, but it does get rid of, you know, some of the deductions and it does lower the rates. And, and I think on the balance, it will be a, a, a very positive thing for uh, the U.S. economy, and I'll tell you this, the people who don't want this to happen are the, you know, Putin and the Russian, the, you know, the, the people in China and Mexico and Canada, because they realize, you know, just as people move from one state to another, businesses are very much influenced by what country
0: yes, they sir. locate in based on no. taxes.
3: And we just sure. can't go forward with the highest tax rate in the world. It just doesn't work anymore.
0: You know the last thing i'm just thinking i'm not i want to ask you to comment but where you started this you know you're talking to mitch mcconnell and all the that he's calling you on this stuff by the way but uh, boy that margin in the senate and this throws this throws that roy moore race into even you know sharper profile in terms of its significance well, that certainly yeah. throws a, yeah. uh, a wrench in the, in the uh, plans,
3: for sure, because, you know, if Republicans were to lose that seat, then that means instead of having 52, they have 51, and they can't afford to lose a single vote at this point. I mean, it's a razor-tight margin already, and yeah, if that I, happens, by the way, Bill, that means that the Republicans will probably have to have this vote before, I believe it's December 12, when the new senator from Alabama would be sworn in, so it's going to it's gonna fast-forward the timetable of getting this this accomplished and look if republicans can't they've had a year to do this bill i mean come on i mean i yep, wish they had had yep, this bill yep, yep, done yep. in april but you know if they if, it, if they have to get it done by december 12th then get it done by december 12th
0: absolutely steve we're gonna let you go because you can call mitch mcconnell back now that we're letting you go and you can call <laughs> other senators and line them up we thank you very very much for your insight as always and happy thanksgiving to you your wife and the boys <laughs> have, a, have a great weekend and i will uh, talk to you soon You're listening to The Bill Bennett Show. Okay, let's change gears. Let's turn to foreign policy. President Trump, as you know, just returned from a long trip to Asia, widely praised for his performance. Uh, But after taking a very tough stance against China during the presidential campaign, it seemed to many people that President Trump was taking a softer approach as president toward China. Some worry that it's too soft. So what should our relationship with China and the rest of Asia, particularly North Korea, look like? Here to provide expertise and clarity on these issues is Brian Kennedy, a colleague of mine, president of the American Strategy Group. Uh, we're delighted to welcome you back, Brian. Thank you.
4: Uh, great to be with you, Bill.
0: Thank you. What about it? Is uh, the president going soft on China? Is this the same guy who campaigned, uh, talking about how he was going to let China get, uh, you know, get the truth, uh, give him hell, give him hell, Harry? Uh, is is he gone soft on China?
4: Uh, no, he's not gone soft on China. Uh, the guy can't win, can he? When he's tough on China, he's criticized. And when he acts like a more, more of a statesman, he's criticized. Uh, I think Trump has uh, really performed very well when he mm-hmm. was in Asia. I thought the South Korean speech was fabulous, probably as good as anything Ronald Reagan uh, ever gave uh, while he was abroad among among uh, as good uh and then when he was in china i thought he struck just the right balance uh the chinese are a great people uh and it's a large country and it's one of the uh, powers of the world that can dictate events to their own liking and he treated them with that that respect which they're due and i think he takes them very seriously that doesn't mean he's gone soft on them. I think far from it. Uh, I mean, there they... was a back and forth. Th- there was a back and forth, of course, while he was, the, you know, while they were there. The Chinese unveil new military hardware, uh, a new fighter plane, which I think we talked about last time, yep. and uh, a, n- a new dredging ship to build those islands in the South China Sea. Pretty provocative thing on their part. And uh, Trump, for his part, spoke very tough in South Korea, talking about human freedom and the virtues of capitalism, and also the kind of military the United States will need. So far from going soft, I think the president really stood up and explained to both uh, the Chinese people and the American people that this was going to be a relationship where uh, there was not going to be a free ride, as there was in the past, with so many other American presidents, and that I think is a very healthy thing
0: is china i mean you, you know you 've studied this and studied it a lot. Is China an enemy of the united states well we 're a commercial
4: republic, and we 're a free people. We tend not to think in those terms. we Americans. Uh, we, We call them a strategic competitor. And we don't like the idea of enemies because we trade with them and we meet Chinese people and we like them. And we don't hold it against the government that they should be so provocative. But the Chinese government believes ultimately that we're an enemy. If you read their book from 1992, fairly long time ago now, I guess, but that book unrestricted warfare in that book they treat us like the enemy they think of us like the enemy they build those islands in the south china sea like we're an enemy they engage in economic warfare against us like we're an enemy so even though we americans don't think in those terms not even our our policymakers, the chinese certainly do but and that, that 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 by itself should give us some
0: concern. Sure, it should give us concern, but we we didn't certainly didn't hear the president say that. It wouldn't be a sort of diplomatic thing to do or say. But he was pretty. It was much more bellicose as, during the campaign. Will we? Will will he? Does he regard it as an enemy? Will will, will we ever hear him say that? Uh, that it is. a – I mean, it is the most serious threat to American power in the world. Is it not? Uh, Certainly. Certainly. There's
4: that saying, quantity has a quality all its own. They have a a billion more people than we do. That's no small thing. And they have nuclear weapons and an advanced military and ambitions throughout the world. So they mean to challenge the United States. Trump is not going to. What does being bellicose really get you at the end of the day? Uh, it may get elected, you elected, but elected. it may get you elect. It may get you elected. Partly, but yeah. it, it diplomatically, I think the president, uh, while he was over there, struck the right tone. And actually, I think he struck the right tone when he was campaigning, because frankly, we have a globalist mindset in this country that doesn't want to see China for what it really is. Yeah. And the kind of people who who are on Wall Street, of the kind that were supporting Hillary Clinton. They would happily sell. They wouldn't mean to, but they would sell America down the river on behalf of China because they're going to make big fees from selling all sorts of Chinese stock
0: and have all sorts of business deals. Yeah, they'd sell reactors or uranium or anything else. Sure. Uh, Is part of this—I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no. Go right ahead. Uh, Part of this um, overture, diplomacy— uh a part of the, the interaction with china i guess this is a question comes from recognizing that um is this true china will be the most important country in the world in regard to our foreign policy for the next foreseeable future 10 years 20 years down down the road yes
4: absolutely okay i think i think the chinese are uh they want to be a big player in europe the One Belt, One Road initiative of theirs. Uh, They are going to be uh, active in Latin America, South America, Africa, you name it. They're a big country that has a lot of desire to engage in trade. They need raw materials, which means they have to go around the world to get those. They have huge energy requirements, and so likewise, they'll be looking for all those things. And so, yes, they... uh, They'll be a, com- uh, a competitor of the United States when it comes to simple commerce. Sure, and sure. as we know, simple commerce can blend over into aggression when it comes to the high seas. And, and you know, I, I keep mentioning these these islands in the South China yes, Sea. Yes, sure, sure. Why, why are they building those? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're militarizing those because they wish to control that part of the world. All right, well, let's stay— Go ahead. You would, you would think a country that, that is strictly peaceful wouldn't have to do that. That's right. But it knows, China does, that the world's a dangerous place. And so you might as well be prepared, and you might as well be able to control things to your liking, which is what they're doing and building an advanced military and these military bases. And they're building alliances throughout the world that, again, will be challenging uh, the united states
0: interesting comment um made by the president of china uh you mentioned the islands let's stay in the water uh president xi she said um uh told president trump the pacific ocean is big enough for both of us uh somebody jumped me with that question the other day on tv i said well yeah it's big but it's also not so big i mean in world war ii we remember it was big but it was also crowded in some in some areas. Is it big enough for the both of us? Well,
4: I don't know. We uh, we've had two of our Aegis destroyers had ships run into them in the last right year. Right, so not so big. Not so big that our uh, our ships are getting struck in the water. Uh, that's not a good thing. Uh, obviously, what President Xi is implying by all this is that the age of U.S. hegemony in that part of the world is yeah. over. Yeah. And he is asserting China's role in all that. And he'll, he's going to find out whether we take the bait, whether Trump is, if President Trump is willing to do those things that would check Chinese aggression, whatever that may be. And I think these are tests that President Trump is going to have to uh, engage in. And I think so far, the president has been serious about this. He sees it, I I believe, as more than just economic warfare, but a real challenge to American uh, military power and the kind of stability we've created for so long in Asia. Uh, I wouldn't worry in some ways immediately about challenges to the United States, though I think there's plenty of evidence that they're there when it comes to economic warfare, but the Japanese have to be concerned yeah. about Chinese uh, aggression, because whatever else is true about Chinese opinions towards the United States, the Chinese certainly harbor a great deal of enmity against the, uh, the Japanese. So that should be a concern, right. especially since the Japanese are a big trading partner of ours as well, and an ally.
0: Yeah, and that was so, part of the president's trip as well. But ste- stepping back, a lot of people grew up with the idea of three superpowers, the U.S., the Soviet Union, and China. Is it, is it now two or two and a half?
4: Well, I think the Russians are still uh, very influential, too.
0: Okay.
4: One, can't, one can't dismiss uh, either their nuclear weapons or their ability to influence world events to their liking. Uh, some people have described Russia as something of an intelligence state, the um, the FSB or the former KGB, being extremely large, extremely influential within the Russian government, with the ability to reach out all around the world and uh, influence events to their liking. What,
2: what's the status? So the, the Ru-
4: I'm sorry. Go ahead. So I think I think the Russians are going to be influential, if if for no other reason that they can be, they have enormous energy resources, and also they are ideologically aligned with the uh, Chinese.
0: So are they, are that, they otherwise that, that, aligned? Are they otherwise aligned? Is there a Sino-Soviet? Axis, if you will. People used to talk about well, you could handle China, you can handle the Soviet Union. Can't handle them both together. Are they together now in any meaningful sense in a way that threatens the US?
4: Certainly. I think they've always been together. Uh, they were all they've always been ideologically aligned in in that communist sense. And even after the collapse of the Soviet Union, the Russians saw A virtue of being aligned with the Chinese. What does that mean, though, as a practical matter? It doesn't mean that they're in lockstep about everything. It doesn't mean they won't have disagreements. Even during the Cold War they had disagreements. But both Russia and China know that the one power that can stand in their way is the United States. So even though they may have differences with one another, they also know the United States is the central focus of whatever policy they're engaging in. Yeah. So the Russians, the Russians will use the Chinese against us. The Russians will figure out ways of using the Chinese to their advantage, the Chinese will do the same with the Russians. They both find it very useful, both the Chinese and the Russians, of using Iran and North Korea to be an annoyance to the United States and the West. Yeah. They both together use those two countries to develop these nuclear programs that are meant to potentially harm the United States. Now, why do they do that? Are they making a lot of money doing that? No. Do they find it in their strategic interest to do that? Yes, and they have for some time, and they continue to do that. President Xi and President Putin have very high-level relations, high-level talks all the time, uh, alliances that have been formed over many years and they see themselves as a check against the United States if the United States is going to be a declining power they're going to find a way to take advantage all right and that's the way the world works I think
0: yeah let's uh let's close I, I guess okay so we, we recognize them there they're big they're powerful they're important they'll continue to be important uh, we should work with them, but not to be fooled either, uh, and lulled into thinking that they are some great uh, ally and no longer a threat. Is that a fair summary?
4: Yeah, that's a very fair summary. Uh, they're not—I mean, they're not a—they're uh, not going to be partners of ours right. in the world. They're going to be competitors or enemies, however one wants to phrase it. And they're going to do things that put China first in the world. That's their goal. They have been, I mean, they believe themselves a big and great people, and they're going to make sure that whatever they're doing puts them on top. And the one worry I think we have and should have is the kind of economic measures they're engaging in against the United States should be of, I think, maybe the greatest concern, at least in the short run. You know, that, that Recently, they talked about coming to the U.S. capital markets for a $2 billion sovereign bond offering. Uh, This after not having paid off a previous, having defaulted on a a previous sovereign bond offering. Mm -hmm. Uh, They ended up selling it in China. But then they reported that over the next five years, China is going to come to the U.S. capital markets to Wall Street and try to raise a trillion dollars from the hundreds and hundreds of state owned enterprises that they have. Well, most Americans are not going to follow that very closely, but if over time American investors and their pension funds have a trillion dollars invested in Chinese corporations, well all of a sudden Americans will have an interest in the success of China. Yes. And that and that will have a corrupting influence on both the way Americans think about the world and our politicians. All of a sudden, a president may not want to do certain things because to do so would harm a trillion or more of investments in another country.
0: Yeah, I understand.
4: That's a a complicated world that we're still getting our mind wrapped around, and thankfully there are some people in Congress, like Congressman Devin Nunes, who's been looking at these things and uh, trying to understand them. And in that regard, uh, an important ally of president Trump.
0: Can we just take one last minute on militarily talked about the importance of economically and focus on that, but maybe here I am just child of the cold war, but if they were militarily superior or to become much more military, Militarily superior to the United States in the next ten years, would they want to attack us, provoke us, destroy us?
4: Only if they thought they had to. Okay. That's not a, perhaps not a very satisfying uh, answer. Okay, but some people some people have said, "Well, why would they try to destroy the United States? We're we're one of their main customers. They produce all these goods, and we buy them from them, and so." were absolutely essential to their economic future unless we weren't if if at some point in the future a chinese leader says look we're tired of these americans acting like they're the sole superpower in the world what do we need them for then a country with a very large military and very advanced nuclear weapons and not President Trump, but if we had some weak president that they thought they could get away with all this, they might do something provocative, which is one more reason America has to be militarily strong and have the resolve to make sure we're defended. And thankfully, with uh, President Trump, we have a president who thinks that way. But I will say we haven't had one for a while. And so there's some catch up we have to do to make sure that our military is everything it needs to be. But this is not. This is a. This is a challenge that's not going away, and we simply have to get really good at managing it, and making sure that our military, and our strategy, when it comes to uh, how we ought to be defended, is a second to none.
0: Very sober, very thoughtful. Uh, to me, I know to members of the audience. Very helpful. Thank you, Brian Kennedy. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. Okay, folks, that's a show. We have to leave it there for today. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you next week. Steve Wynn will return, and we'll have several other guests that you will want to hear from. Happy Thanksgiving.